Let's go ahead and open our Bibles. First Peter chapter four. First of all, let's uh, let's start by uh, confessing something this morning. Who's who's tired from losing an hour of sleep last night? Yeah, I think we we are all there. Let's uh, pray that the Lord helps us as we uh, as we listen intently to this sermon because I. I Obviously, he speaks to us through his word, and uh, this, is, uh, this is something that will benefit everyone in here. Um, as, I, as I said when we started our service, this was edifying to me, as it should be. I'm the preacher of it. It should edify the preacher before it edifies the congregation. First uh, Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11, we'll read them together, and then... Um, We'll look at verse 9. So verse 7 says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That's the word of the Lord. So we've uh, if, if, if you've been paying attention, I hope you've at least noticed that we've been uh, here in this same uh, place for this is the third week in the row now. And when I say the same place, I mean verses seven through eleven. And what I like to call this is I like for us to I like to say that we're marinating in this verse right here. Uh, it's just the analogy, I think, fits perfect. Whenever you marinate uh, food for for barbecuing, that's mainly what I marinate things for. Uh, whenever you marinate food for barbecuing, you're, you're looking to uh, get the full flavor of, of, of what it is you're marinating in. And here uh, we're, we're looking to get the, the, the full uh message the full truth here uh the full flavor of of this verse and i i purposely stopped here and slowed down because i felt like our church we really needed to marinate in these verses we we needed to understand that we needed to be people of prayer and in order to pray uh you know we needed to be self-controlled and sober-minded uh not not only that but we needed to be people of love who love earnestly and also, we need to be hospitable to one another. So these, these things, and then next week, we'll talk about how we are to use the gifts that God has given us. So I, I thought it was wise for us to slow down and just really get the full flavor of, of these passages here and, and, and cause us to really think about where we're at individually. What can we get better at? Uh, what do we need to pray to the Lord to help sanctify us in a certain area? Those things are, are very important. So, uh, as I said, we've already discussed being self-controlled, sober-minded for prayer. We've discussed the need to love each other earnestly. That's uh, the agape love, a love that is not self-seeking. Uh, prayer, prayer is important because we have an, an awesome mission from God. We're not here just to take up space. We're not here just to exist. Uh, we're not here, believe it or not, just to work at your job and earn a paycheck. Our, our, our calling is beyond that. We're, we're here for the Great Commission. Uh, we're here to bring glory to God. 
Uh, and, and we do that by, by obeying what he commanded us to do. And that is to reach uh, people with the gospel. Uh, and, and when we do that, we need to love each, each, each other earnestly because loving earnestly helps. Uh, it helps because the job is hard. So we need prayer and we need love. That love brings encouragement. It, it fulfills needs. Uh, it builds hope. Does all those things. So we need those things. Uh, today, though, there's another great need, and that is, uh, or there's another great need for the church, and that is uh, hospitality. We need to show hospitality to one another without grumbling. I like the way that verse ends, without grumbling. I, I think that's the state in which we should be in. Uh, in other words, it, it shouldn't be just something that we do, but rather it should be an act of worship to God. Because if, if we're doing things, if we say we're doing things for the Lord and yet we're grumbling about it, we need to check our hearts to see if it's really worship or not. Or if, you know, if, if we're just doing it to look good or if we're doing it to uh, fulfill our own wants and needs or, yeah, or is this, is this really uh, for the Lord? Because we, if it's for the Lord, we're going to do it with a cheerful heart. Uh, so if we are self-controlled sober mind, and sober-minded uh, for the sake of prayer, and if we have the right motive in love, then hospitality will be present in our fellowship. And I think that's why, I don't know this for sure, but it seems to, know, it seems to be that's why Peter listed these three together. They go well together. If, if, if there's prayer, if there's love, hospitality is going to follow. So, uh, the sermon summary is this. When hospitality is present in great measure, the church is ministered to and God is glorified. All right. When hospitality is present in great measure, the church is ministered to and God is glorified. For those of you who uh, don't attend regularly, the sermon summary is basically what the sermon is about. I like to give that up front for those who are taking notes uh, so they can at least write down what I'm going to talk about, and then I'm going to talk about it. So that's just the way it goes. Um, I think it's a good way to summarize the sermon before you actually hear it, so you can be listening for the things that I mentioned. Uh, the first thing we need to understand, though, is that when we talk about hospitality, we have a tendency to not be hospitable to one another. Uh, we, we have that tendency, and we need to be very careful about it. Uh, so before we even discuss the benefits of being hospitable, we must discuss the difficulty we have in doing so. Now, when we talk about hospitality, it's difficult for us because we are prone to focus on our own self-preservation. That's, that's just who we are as creatures. We want to focus on self, and what we tend to do is we want to make sure that that we're okay, and those that we love are okay, and then we move on from there. And I, that's, that's perfectly natural, and I would also say that that is godly, but there is a, there's a, a fine line between it being godly and then it being selfish. Because there's a line that we cross where everything is already taken care of in our own lives, and yet we don't look to our brother and sister and make sure things are taken care of in their lives. Because, see, what ends up happening is we'll say, okay, I'm going to wait for a certain point. Once I have everything good in my surrounding or in my family, then I'm going to reach out to them and help them. And sometimes we'll set a limit. 
to when it's okay to reach out. Uh, well, if I have an extra $100 this month, I'm going to reach out to that family because I know that they're in need. Or if I make so much money a year, then I'm going to start donating this to, you know, to these, to these different things, to this missionary, uh, to this family, to help them whenever uh, they, they need something, or to help them because I know they need something. The problem with that is, and what I've come to find out, even in my own personal life, is the more money you make, the more money you spend, right? So you start setting these goals for yourself, and you say, okay, this is the limit. All I need is this. Lord, if you bless me with this, everything else that you give me in abundance, I'm going to use it, to, I'm gonna use it for, for the purpose of being hospitable, hospitable to somebody. And then what ends up happening is, you, you get that abundance and then you decide that, oh, I, I forgot, I forgot I need a little bit of this. I need a little bit of that. And then by the time you know it, there's nothing left for anybody else. You're still using it on yourself. So we're focused on self-preservation. Sometimes that comes in when, when, whenever we need to survive. And then sometimes it comes in because we need to advance. But we need to understand that those things are of the flesh. We, we truly need to understand that. As I said, it is good and godly to make sure that those, uh, those, those who you provide for are taken care of and they have their needs met. That is good and godly. But there is a line that we must not cross. And that line is whenever we are living in complete abundance and those that we call brother and sisters around us and the, that worship in the same in, in, the, in the same body as us, are really and truly suffering and they have a need and we could help take care of that need and yet we don't reach out. There, there, is, there is a line and we must be careful of that and that is what is of the flesh. As new creatures, we must put those things or those ways aside. Our selfish tendencies do come out from time to time, but the Bible tells us that we must walk by the Spirit. We must have love, right? Because if we are in Christ, the Spirit's going to work in us, and the Spirit is going to produce love. It's going to produce peace, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and, and so on, all the fruits of the Spirit. So I believe that this was the uh, power behind Peter's message to the church. He was reminding them that they need to deny themselves. They need to pick up their cross and they need to follow Christ by being hospitable to one another. That was the power behind Peter's message. Because in order for us to show hospitality to others, there is a denying of self that has to take place. And sometimes it is very difficult, but yet that's what we are called to do. The early church, the church that Peter wrote to, had so many believers on the move. Remember when he opened this letter, he talked to those who were dispersed, those who were spread out, who were forced out of their homes because of persecution. So these people were either living in different areas where they were not from, they, were not, uh, they, they, they had not established themselves in these areas, or some of these families were just moving around until they can find something stable. 
regardless, they're not home, and yet they have a, a, and they have a great need uh, to be ministered to. So this information, or rather this, uh, this passage here, is timely for this church, but it's also timely for us. These people, again, had no homes. They needed hospitality. They needed hospitality just to survive. So you can say in this case that uh, it was a matter of life and death. So this message from Peter was very important. And these travelers, these nomads, uh, although they were strangers, people didn't know who they were. They were still believers. They were still believers and, and, and they needed help from the church. So being hospitable when Peter mentions it meant that they would be willing to take in a stranger. And uh, they would be willing to take in a stranger as a guest and to provide lodging for them. Not only lodging, but nourishment, clothing, and sometimes to restore their health in order to help them out. Now, this was supposed to be a, a, a temporary thing. It was not a, a permanent thing. Uh, rather, this was a hand up rather than a hand out. You know, it was to improve their situation. Once their situation was improved, then they would be released and they would go on and continue until they found something that was more established for themselves. But one thing that we have to acknowledge is that this is more than just offering up prayer. Now, I'm not knocking prayer because that ought to be the first thing we do. And that is extremely important. If someone tells you that they are suffering through something, they have a need, there's a sickness, we ought to go to the Lord in prayer because that's what we are told to do by the Lord. It builds faith. It helps. It, it does a lot of wonderful things. So, so prayer is key. But the Bible doesn't say if someone is in need, just pray for them. Right? Because how would we fulfill that need? Yes, we pray to God to actually fulfill the need, but what does he use to, to fulfill that need? He uses us as vessels, right? He uses us as vessels to go and to fulfill that need. So the Bible calls us to pray for one another, but it also calls us to action. It calls us to show love, to show peace, to show kindness. Calls us, uh, it calls us to do those things. So we have to see here that Peter say, is saying, go beyond prayer, you pray for them, and then you look at yourself in the mirror and you do a, a self-analysis to see what you can do to help them in their situation. Now, back then, travelers would, would frequently go around and just hang out. They would go around to open places and they would wait for an invitation. We see that in scripture, especially in the Old Testament when someone was wandering. Even when Jesus gave the disciples instructions and sent them out, Jesus gave them similar instructions to go into a town and wait till they saw a home in which they could stay in. They had to depend on the hospitality of others uh, for their provisions. And 
when a stranger would first come into a town, obviously people would look at him and, and in a sort of way test him because they wanted to make sure that there was no threat there. But after inviting a guest, the host would provide water and the host would wash the feet of a person because obviously they were walking around in sandals, the, the feet were dirty. And this is something that I had not known before and I learned through studying for this sermon is that in this custom of washing feet, after this was done, there was a transformation from that person being a traveler and a stranger to a guest. That was like a, a formal transition, transformation from that person being a guest to, or excuse me, from being a stranger to a guest. And the reason why I bring that up is that we see an example of this played out in Luke chapter 7. Now, I'm going to read a good portion of scripture, so I, I would like everybody to turn there. Hold your place in 1 Peter chapter 4, but let's turn to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, and we're going to start in verse 36. Now, this example, this story is about a, a man named Simon, and he's a, he's a Pharisee. And Simon invited Jesus to his home. But in the story, we'll find out that he was not hospitable to, to Jesus. And from that story, we, we learn a lot. Verse 36, it says, One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Then verse 37 and 38, And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, and when she learned that he was reclining at the table, the pastor's there speaking about Jesus, in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask, of ointment and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair or with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. The very next verse says this. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, so it's talking about Simon, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Now, let's move down to verse 44 through 46. I want to read Jesus' response to Simon. And remember, Simon said to himself, but yet Jesus knew what he said. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wept my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. The reason why I mentioned the whole thing about washing feet and how that was a transformation from a stranger to a guest, we see in this story that 
the Pharisee, Simon the Pharisee, invited Jesus into his home and really didn't have any intention to have him as a guest. Obviously, Simon had other things in mind, but it was not to be hospitable to Jesus. Maybe it was to question him. Maybe it was to to find out if he were true or fake. Obviously, Simon thought that Jesus was a false prophet because here you go, you have this woman who comes into the house and she's a sinner, and I'll use air quotes for that. She's a sinner. She comes in, and the first thing, or the only thing Simon can think of is, this man's no prophet. He doesn't even know who's, who's touching him. She shouldn't even be near him if he were a true prophet. And then Jesus uses that example to teach Simon a lesson. But not only Simon, it, it teaches us a lesson, too. It teaches us a lesson on what it means to be hospitable and why why we, the church, should be hospitable to one another. And the woman, the woman is a a great humbling example of how we should be. She showed Jesus the highest display of hospitality by washing his feet with her tears. That's how Repentant she was. That's how torn apart she was with her sin. She washed his feet with her tears. She cleaned his feet with her hair. As I was reading that, I I was just moved by her humbleness. I was moved by her repentance. I was was moved by, by just her torment. I could see, I could feel, I could imagine the depravity she felt inside herself, knowing that this, this was her Lord, this was her Savior. She understood, she really understood that she was a sinner and needed of a Savior. She understood that there was nothing good in her and that she needed Christ. So she honored him. And I started thinking, you know, this woman, this woman should be a picture of the church. She is a a great example of the church. Why? Because, first of all, her and the church have something in common. They're great sinners. Great sinners. The the passage says that this woman was was a sinner, and it meant it. Well, We're all in here. We're the church. I'll be the first one to raise my hand. I am a great sinner. So she is is a, a, a wonderful resemblance of the church. She was a horrible sinner who responded to the presence of Christ with repentance, humility, and hospitality. I don't know if you can remember the day when you came to Christ. But the day that, that, that Christ, the Spirit of the Lord, showed you that you were a sinner in need of a Savior. I know you reacted like this woman did. If not externally, internally. There had to have been repentance there. There had to have been humility there. There had to have been hospitality. You see, like her, we are sinners who need to respond 
to the Lord with those things. A lot of times we'll, we'll react in repentance, we'll have humility, but then a lot of times that hospitality part takes a while. Her worship was in spirit and in truth, and it flowed out of a thankful heart to the Lord. Church, she's a wonderful picture of us. We, ourselves, we need to understand that we have been forgiven much. We are also called to love much. And we know that love is more than just words. It's more than just an emotion. It's a call to action. And if we are going to love one another, as the Bible tells us, we must be hospitable to one another. So we know that even though we have a tendency to be selfish, we got to move past that because that's of the old nature. That's of the flesh. God has made us new again. And if we are going to be hospitable, we must follow the example of Christ. You see, Jesus set the example in hospitality with his life, including going to the cross for sinners. The Bible says in Matthew 20, 28, as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. As Christians, we must humble ourselves. We must take notice of others. I, I think that's, that's hard. It's easy to say, but I think that's hard right there. It shouldn't be hard if, if we're walking in the spirit and, and, and we have the things of, of, of God in mind. But the problem is we don't walk around with the things of God in mind, and we do not take notice of those who have needs. So we must humble ourselves. We must take notice of those who have needs, and we must provide for that need. Hospitality is a must if we are to have genuine fellowship. That's one thing that I pray for our church all the time, is that we come to understand what genuine fellowship is. Because a lot of times, and in, in, in when you look at church, church recent history of the church, um, fellowship is just getting together. Fellowship is just breaking bread. Fellowship is just sitting down and having a conversation. But when you look at the early church, fellowship is doing life together because you have no other choice. You need each other. Uh, church, I'm telling you today, you may, not, you may not know it. You may not understand it. You may not realize it, but you need each other. I guarantee you do. If you want to acknowledge it or not, you need each other. See, as a church, we should all, we should all be serving and we should all be, we should all be being served. I guess that's how you say it, right? We need to be doing both. Hospitality is very important to genuine fellowship. And as with everything else, when we look to Christ, Christ is our, he's our ultimate example. Jesus showed hospitality by washing the disciples' feet. 
And since he served his own in that way, we are to serve one another in the same spirit of hospitality. The Bible says that we are to love one another with brotherly affection. That we are to outdo one another in showing honor. That we are not to be slothful in zeal, but to be fervent in spirit. That we are to serve the Lord. The Bible says that we are to rejoice in hope. That we are to be patient in tribulation. That we are to be constant in prayer. And that we are to contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. See, we must understand that offering hospitality to one another is offering it to Jesus. Because the Bible also tells us that kindness performed for others are seen as acts for Jesus. John 13, 20 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. So, We come to this conclusion today. There is a great need in the church for hospitable believers. You see, this call is important. Why? Because hospitality looks after the good of others. It promotes Christian service and it provides for needs. It promotes unity and also peace within the church. It encourages those who are suffering. It builds up hope. It fosters faith. It causes us to imitate Christ. And it causes the name of the Lord to be praised by all. We need it. In other words, hospitality helps to keep the church healthy. There's a, the Bible tells of a a story of a very healthy church, a very hospital group of believers that embody a a healthy church. We tend to go back to this story a lot because it's who we want to be as a church. It's found in Acts chapter 2. If you want to follow along, it's verses 44 to 47. You don't have to turn there. You can listen to me as I read it. But I want you to listen to this. It says, And all who believe were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, we all love the picture of this church because there's something awesome going on here. There is the focal point of the word. So there's uh, teaching through the word of God or from the word of God. And then there's also this other equation, and that is the ministering of the Holy Spirit through the people. By showing hospitality to one another and By the teaching of the word and by the ministering of the body, we see that God added to their number those who were being saved. There's one thing that we have to acknowledge when we see this church in the book of Acts is that this was a loving church. This was 
the true definition of what agape love should be, a love in action, a love that is not selfish. They were meeting the need of their own, but what's awesome about it is that they were also, they were evangelizing the lost by the administration of the word and by practicing hospitality. It was the word and love, kindness. See, it wasn't a gimmick. It wasn't trying to get people in the door. It wasn't anything but, but the word. That's so important. That's so important that that's where you start. But notice that's not where they ended. It wasn't like, hey, just come in and hear the word and then we're done with you. Just you leave as you are. God will work it out in your life. Goodbye. We'll see you next Sunday. It was it was more than that. It was hearing the word and then it was doing life together. It was doing life together. It was more than just coming in, sitting down in your chair, and then leaving. Not caring about anybody, not being involved in anybody's life. Just coming, just coming to hear the word and going. True, genuine fellowship is, is more than just coming to hear someone preach or to hear music played or anything. Genuine fellowship is being involved in the good, the bad, and ugliness of life with other people. See, the church in Acts chapter 4, that's not even a perfect church. In fact, it is a, it is a, just a small reflection of God's perfect church, uh, God's perfect church that will be in heaven. But you have to look back and you have to admit as we see the church today and, and, and where we have failed, the church today is only but a reflection of what that church in Acts chapter 4 is. So the question is, how can we be hospitable to one another? What benefit do we gain out of it? Well, I want to take you back to the sermon summary. When hospitality is present in great measure, the church is ministered to and God is glorified. And for answering the question of how we get there, we have to humble ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Christ and his perfect example of what it is to be humble and to show hospitality. So we are to make the word our supreme authority, our supreme priority. We are to be self-controlled. We are to be sober-minded, to be people of prayer. We are to love one another earnestly because love covers a multitude of sins. We are to forgive one another, and that should lead us to being hospitable to one another. And we do this as an act of worship, without grumbling. I think it's a word we need. We all need to really think about this and see what areas in our lives that we can be more hospitable to our brothers and sisters in, in Christ and where we can meet a need where there is a need. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you, Father, for your word, and we thank you for your spirit's work.